Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. want to get into the Word. I told you last week that last week was the last part of parables, and uh, I fibbed. Tonight will probably be the last, uh, the last one that we cover. Amen? So I want to get into the Word tonight. There's this uh, story that shares that uh, it was a, a man named William Sidney Porter, better known by his pen name, o, o. Henry. He became one of the most popular authors in the United States at the turn of the last century. And it says that this man, he wrote for years, but his literary career, it literally, it, it really took off from the most unlikely place. It took off from prison. And so Porter, he had been convicted of embezzlement from the bank where he had worked in, which was in Texas, although there's some evidence that it wasn't theft, but it was just carelessness that led to a loss of funds. But either way, he was sentenced to five years in prison, and while there, he wrote and he published some of his best-known stories, establishing himself as a premier author. And so in his interactions with others, this man, O. Henry, he displayed this same wit that filled all of his stories. And it is said that once he attempted to get a royalty check from a New York publisher without success. And so, you know, he went to this office to try to collect this check in person, only to be told that the person who signed the checks was not available because of a sprained ankle. To which this man, uh, uh, Henry, said, he said, my dear sir, he says, does he sign the checks with his feet? Think about that just for a second. The guy that signed the check couldn't sign the check because he had a sprained ankle. Wrote this down. When we are trying to avoid doing something that we don't want to do, almost any excuse will suffice. I'll say that one more time. When we are trying to avoid something that we don't want to do, almost any excuse will suffice. Rather than looking for reasons to avoid the tasks that are set before us, we should be faithful and diligent with our work. Amen. How many of you know that, that you know, our faithfulness, our diligence, the Lord will bless? Amen. The Lord will bless a person that labors for his kingdom. The Lord will bless somebody that is faithful in everything that he has given. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want us to open up to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to begin at verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14, it says this. Again, it will be like a man who is going on a journey who called his servants, and he entrusted his property to them. It says, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, I'll cover that in just a second. It says, then he went on his journey, and it says, the man who received the five talents, he went at once, and he put his money to work, and what did he do? He gained five more. Verse 17, so also the one with two talents gained two more. And verse 18 says, but the man who had received just the one talent, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. The man who had received five brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five 
talents, he said, see, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, you've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents, and see, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? He says, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Verse 29, for everyone who has been given more, and he will have, it says, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. It says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray for the word tonight. Lord, we just thank you for your word. And God, we're just, Lord, expectant, God, and we're just eager, God, to, Lord, have your Holy Spirit just reveal truth to us tonight. And so, Lord, we just pray that in this moment, God, our hearts would be focused on you, Lord. Father, we just speak against all distractions, Lord. And, and Father, we pray that we would just be ready, God, to receive that which you have for us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus said that the point of this parable, he's explaining it before our eyes, and he's, he's sharing it with us, and it's a, it's a twofold point. While Jesus is away... Because he's the master, amen? While Jesus is away, the believer, that's you and me, are to do something which is called work. How many of you know that there is work of service in the kingdom? Amen? There is something that every one of, each and every one of us has been gifted to do. There is something that the Lord has imparted in your life to be able to do to serve this king and his kingdom. And we are to work faithfully and we are to work diligently. Amen? Now, let me ask you a question. For those of you that have a job, if you have a job, raise your hand. How many of you showed up to church on time tonight? <laughs> Not everybody's able to raise their hand. Some of us showed up to church on time. How many of you showed to work on time? Raise your hand. Come on. Now, I know some of you all are your own boss, but raise your hand if you showed up to work on time. How many of you know that you can't show up to work more than two or three times late or else you won't have what? A job. Am I right? Am I correct? Somebody give me some feedback. If you miss showing up to work two or three, four or five times in a row, guess what? Your employer, your boss is not going to be too happy with your performance. And guess what he's going to do? You're going to get fired. It's pretty simple, right? It's pretty understandable. 
But yet in the kingdom of God and in serving the king of all kings and giving God our service and our time and our sacrifice, he's the one that most often gets left in the dust. He's the most often the one that gets the least of us. The least of our time, the least of our sacrifice, the least of our diligence. The least of all of it. He is looking for workers that would work faithfully and diligently. But second, while Jesus is away, the believers to know something. His work will be greatly rewarded or severely judged. How many of you know that Jesus will return? Amen? And there's one of two things that he's going to say to us. Either, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. Or just like he said in this parable, you wicked and lazy servant. Now we think about that, we think that, you know what, it might sound funny, but guess what, it's not going to be funny. Because those who don't fulfill the will of God, those who don't serve God, those who don't give their life fully to the Lord in everything that they do will be those that are not known by him. Do you know the relationship with Jesus costs you everything? Amen. That's not to say that you can't have a job in the world, in the marketplace, and you've just got to be, you know, a missionary or a pastor. That's not what I'm saying. You can very much have a job in the world, in the marketplace. Some of you are teachers and administrators and nurses and, and doctors, and you work at hospitals, and you know what? That's great. The Lord will use you there. But the crux of the message is this. is ultimately fulfilling what the Lord is calling you to do. The parable teaches us that he gave us all gifts. Everybody say, I have a gift. You know that you are a gift to this world? You are a gift to this world. And the Lord has given you an ability. The Lord has given you strength. He's given you things that you are to deposit back into this world. That you are to do so that Jesus, at the end of the day, would get the glory. And so Christ is teaching a much-needed lesson. He must be faithful with what he's given us. Amen. We must be faithful with what he's given us. For if we are not, when he returns, there could be severe judgment. Now, I'll break down these verses. In verse 14, it said that he went to a far country. This is explaining Jesus' ascension to heaven. Amen. How many know that Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father? Amen. He's seated in heaven right now. And he's, he, he's distant. You know, he's, he's in heaven, but his presence is with us. And he's given us the deposit of his Holy Spirit. He's given us the gift of all gifts. Amen? And we have the Holy Spirit living inside of our hearts. He's prepared us and he's anointed us. He's empowered us for a work. We see in verse uh, 14 and 15 that the Lord entrusted his goods to his servants. That is, he has given you a gift that is to not only serve him, but serve the body of Christ and also lead others to him. How many of you remember that verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16? Matthew 5 and 16, it talks about this. It says, let your light shine before all men that they may what? They may see your good deeds and that they what? They may praise your Father in heaven. What is that? That's literally using the gifts that God has placed in your life to be a service and a sacrifice of Jesus in, and an example of Jesus in this world towards others. People need to see Jesus through your life. Can somebody say amen tonight? And so the Lord, the servants, they were treated, you know, they, they each had something. 
Now here's the deal. I know sometimes we envy people in the church within the body. We, we, we want the gifts that they have, but here's the deal. God's given you your own unique gift. Sometimes we envy the gifts of another because they're in front of people or they're seen by a lot of people. But you know what? Those, those gifts, you know, they're no more important than the gifts that are unseen. Amen? The pastor that, you know, stands and preaches the gospel is no more important than the intercessor that's unseen, praying in secret. Did you know that, church? One gift might be seen by all and another might be, might be seen by nobody. But guess what? The Father blesses them both equally. Amen. They're both of equal importance. They both serve a purpose in the kingdom. And so we see here that there will also be a day of reckoning in verse 19. That is the master is going to return. And the master is going to inspect and he's going to look at the work that's been done. He's going to judge each person according to their work. We also see that the, the reward for the work well done in verses 20 through 23. There is a reward for serving Jesus. Amen. There is a reward that will be given to each and every man for serving him and giving him everything that we had. I remember years ago, I, I preached a message called a use it or lose it. And I was talking about the gifts of God, amen? I was talking about the gifts that the Lord has deposited in our life. And in this, in this case, we could call them talents. We could call them abilities. We could call them things the Lord has planted in your life that you are good at. Now, some of you might not think that you're good at anything. I meet a lot of people that struggle with this. Ah, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I don't have a gift. I don't have a talent. That's wrong. Scripture says it's wrong, Amen? Scripture confirms that he's given us all gifts. He's given us something, and that's something that he's given to your life. It could be you're an encourager. It could be that you're a person that, that counsels well, that gives advice well. You could be a person that listens well. There's all kinds of things, amen? It's not just, it's not just stuff that you see in a church service. It's not, you know, being like Oscar, this faithful cameraman in front of me. It's not just those kinds of things, it's being able to serve the body of Christ well. Amen? It's being able to use that gift that he has apportioned to you. And the Bible says that he apportioned the gifts according to our ability. What does that mean? He gives us gifts according to our ability and our, our ability to manage it. Amen? God's not going to give you anything that you cannot manage. If he gives you all these, you know, kinds of gifts and all these kinds of monies and stuff, the Lord is not reckless. He doesn't give pearls to swine. He gives pearls to those who are able to treasure them. He gives to us and he entrusts to us the, the, the things that we are able to manage well. Because if we're not able to manage them well, then they'll destroy us. Amen. If we're not able to handle it well, then it, it, it'll destroy us. Some of you, you know, you desire more money. You desire more things in life. You desire, you know, more prosperity. But yet, you know, the very thing that it is that you're praying for, you mishandle already. That's a good time to say amen. You want a relationship. You want, you know, you know oh, God, to bless me with a spouse. And you're not good at having relationships yet. Maybe you mismanage the relationships that are already in your life and then you wonder why the Lord hasn't given you somebody else because you might just mismanage that too. That's a good time to say amen. 
Some of us pray, oh, Lord, if I only had more money, God, if I only had more things, if you were only able to give me more money, oh, God, then maybe, oh, God, I'd be able to pay for the bills and I'd be blessed, God, and I'd be in a great state in my life and I'd feel so much peace in my life. Listen, more money is not the answer. Jesus is always the answer. But he's not going to bless you with something more because it might destroy your life. You might not be able to handle it. You might not be able to manage it well. Think about this. And so we see that Christ foretold that he was like a man who traveled to a faraway country. He went to this faraway country. He traveled away from the earth. He ascended to heaven for a specific purpose to sit at the right hand of God. And he is still there until his servants complete the work that he has given them to do. And when he returns, it'll either be time for reward or rebuke. Let's keep going. John 14 and verse 2 says this. In my father's house are many rooms. And if it was not so, I would have told you. He said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Acts chapter 2 and verse 33 says, He was exalted to the right hand of God, and he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. It says, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I love that last line, and basically interpreted it means that Jesus must stay in in heaven until his Workers and his warriors on this earth have completed the task before them. Until they've finished, you know, you know, being empowered by the Lord to destroy the works of the enemy over the lives of people. 2 Peter 3.9 gives us great insight into why the Lord has not yet returned. And if you know that verse by, by memory like I do, the Bible says that the Lord is not slow as some understand slowness. But what is he doing? He's desiring that everyone comes to repentance. What does that mean? He's giving people a chance. But what does that also mean? He's given the church more time to do their job. Amen? He's given the body of Christ more time. More time to wake up and go and tell somebody about his goodness and about his grace. Amen. He has given you guys and he has given us the ability, just like a key, to unlock the chains and the strongholds off of the lives of people through the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we think, you know what, it's just up to the Lord. The Lord's just going to set them free. The Lord's going to do this. But how many of you know that the Lord uses man? There's a verse in Genesis chapter 2, but it talks about this. It talks about how the fruit of the earth and the trees and the plants, they were not able to bud and flourish and prosper and bloom until there was a manager to manage them. Do you want to know why the things in your life that don't grow and you don't see prosperity and you don't see blessing over their life, over those areas of your life, the reason they don't grow is because there's no one to manage them. There's no one to take care of it. There's no one to tend to it. There's no one to actually look after what it is that needs to be done. Amen. Jesus, our Savior, has been exalted to the heavens. And he's given us the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's supplied us with the very being of God, with the very spirit and presence of a living God to go out and do the work. But who are we like? Are we like the, the man that received the five talents? Are we like the one that received two? Or are we like the one that buried it and did nothing? You see, the choice has been yours since the beginning. Whether or not you are a person that goes out and testifies of what the Lord has done in your life, or you're a person that, you know, has actively used the things that the Lord has put at your disposal, either way, the choice has always been yours. I think sometimes we pray for things that God has already apportioned to us and he's already blessed us with. We pray, oh Lord, use me in a mighty way, and he's saying, open your mouth. Oh Lord, use me in a mighty way, and he's saying, pray for your neighbor. Oh, Lord, use me in a mighty way. And he's saying, bless somebody with what you have. And we're waiting somehow for the heavens to open. And we're waiting for, you know, just an angel of God to just, you know, lead us and fall upon us and speak to our heart and just give us this great explosion of a moment so that we can actually open our mouth. But here's the deal. He's already given us what we need. He's already supplied in our life everything so that we can see the dead raised and the sick healed. Amen. So that we can see the lost come back to, to him. But what are we doing with what we have? It should be very clear this evening what the Holy Spirit has been given to us for. And it's for the Father's purpose. It's always been for the Father's purpose. Let's keep going. Matthew 10 and verse 8. Jesus said to them, heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. The Lord has entrusted his goods, that is his gifts, his abilities, his responsibilities to his servants. That's you and me. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says this. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That word apportion means like, you know, divided, you know. He gave us a specific amount. Verse 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. Ask yourselves this question tonight, but who was following Jesus? The captives. Who was following Jesus? Those who were bound, those who were, you know, you know, addicted, those who were being destroyed by the works of the enemy. But the question is, whom did he give gifts to? And it's all men. He gave gifts to each and every one of us. He gave gifts to you and to me. Amen. How can somebody be freed from a locked chain or a prison? Ask yourself that question. How can somebody see freedom? How can somebody be set free out of a prison? The only way somebody's going to get set free out of a prison is by the person that has the key. Amen? Are, are, are you understanding where I'm going tonight? The only way somebody can be set free from a prison of doom and torment is by the person that has the key. And Matthew 16 and 19 teaches us something. Jesus speaking, he said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say, I have the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Who has the keys? We do. Who has the keys? You and I. 
See, the Lord called his own servants. The word for that servant word that he mentions in the scripture is bond slave. That word servant means bond slave. That is, he called those who were supposedly his own and who were supposedly faithful and responsible to his service. That, that is, he's saying here that he purchased them. They were bought with the price. They were to be his own and to serve him only. Now, why he called them, that was to put his good gifts into their hands while he was away. That is, his property, that is the world and the souls of men, it had to be looked after and increased and bettered while he was away. That is, the property of the Lord means the world and the souls of men. And the servants of Christ, the servants of man, the very same people, we have the very same mission and work that Jesus had. And that was to minister to souls of men and to those who are in desperate need in this world. Every single place that you go, you will find people that are hurt and desperate for salvation. They're like people that have been walking through a desert just longing to take a drink of water. They're souls that are dying and they're, and they're parched without the Lord and they desperately need the Lord. And guess what? You desperately have the key. You and I have in our possession, we have exactly what it is that the world has been waiting to see. We possess the very thing in our life that the Holy Spirit has deposited in us to unlock them from their chains. Amen. And it goes on to say that the Lord gave each servant a different portion of his goods to look after. That is, each person was given a gift, a talent, or responsibility, and nobody was left out. Ephesians 4, 7 proves that. All men were given gifts. Amen? And each servant was expected to work and to serve. I, I noticed something when I was preparing tonight, for tonight, and I've just been, been remembering all of the parables that we've been talking about, but almost every single one of them is, has the same message, and that's to serve Christ in and to serve his kingdom. Pretty simple. Amen? I mean, if that doesn't get like as resounding and as redundant as possible, then I don't know what will. But what, what is he telling us? What is he showing us? What is he revealing? He's revealing the plan of the Father. Amen? Now, I, the Lord gives each servant according to their ability. And there's a few things that are important in understanding this. No two servants have the same ability. Did you know that? Every one of us is uniquely designed. We may have a similar story. We may have a similar testimony. We may have a similar gift. But honestly, no two one of us were designed the same way. The Lord's apportioned our grace a certain way. That is the, the ability for the Lord to use us. He's given it in different measure to each and every one of us. He's given us different gifts to serve one another you know, in different measures. We, some of us may have the same gifts. We may possess the same gifting as somebody else, but at the end of the day, the Lord's given us and placed us in different environments with different opportunities, with, with different training, with different hearts, with different discipline, initiative, and so forth. Amen? Each one, though, is uniquely designed by God. That means that each one of us has a specific purpose and assignment given to us by the Lord. It's not the same. It's not the same all across the board. Each one of us even has a specific gifting. 1 Corinthians 4 and 7 says this, For who makes you different from anyone else? What did you have that you did not receive? He says, and if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? 
Who makes us different? Think about this. The one who created us. Amen? The one who uniquely formed your life. The one who, who you know, formed you in your mother's womb. The one who's literally written your name in the Lamb's book of life. You know, he is the one who has designed us. He's formed us to operate. He's formed us to operate in our gifts and to do the things that he has called us to do. What do you have that you did not receive? This is what he's saying. Nothing for, uh, for every gift is from God. You see, everything that you have is, was received through God. Amen. This means that sometimes we accredit ourselves for what we have. The truth is, is it was only by him and through him that we have all things. And so the Lord endows his gifts as he wills, knowing each of his servants perfectly. If God gave you an abundance of, of, of giftings, of abundance of responsibilities, because he knows that he's empowered you and he's given the, you the grace to manage it. Amen? Now, whether or not we manage it or we do it well is on us, but it doesn't mean that God has not given us the ability to do so. Amen? The ability is there. 1 Corinthians 12 and 11 says this, All of these are a work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them each uh, to each one just as he determines. Amen? And so uh, I want us to find peace in this, to never be jealous of somebody else's gift. Amen? Be at peace with what the Lord has given you. Be at peace. You know, it's like, you know, there's many parts to the body. You know, if you are a... If you're an eyeball, hey, man, be grateful that you're an eyeball, <laughs> you know. If you're a thumb, be, be thankful that you're a thumb, you know. You know, monkeys don't have thumbs, you know. So <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a purpose for our life, amen. You know, they, there's, a, there's a gifting, imposable thumbs. I think they do have thumbs, right? But they don't have thumbs that function the way ours do. I'm double-jointed, by the way. It's weird. I can do this with my thumb. Here's the deal. We have to understand that why and how the Lord has given us the things that he has are only for his glory. Each servant receives all the gifts that they need and are able to use. Romans 12 and verse 4 says, Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, he says, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. Verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And if a man's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, then let him serve. If it is teaching, then let him teach. If it is encouraging, then let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, then let him, it says, let him give generously. If it's leadership, then let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, then let him do it cheerfully. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4 says there's different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. There's different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but the same God works all of them in all men. Amen. It says now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So the Holy Spirit has blessed us with everything necessary to serve this king and his kingdom. We have written in our DNA, in our soul, buried in our life, a portion to us. We've been given a grace by God to serve one another. Amen? Yeah. To serve each other in the body. 
And if there's any time that something is lacking, if the church and the body of Christ is malnourished, it's because one part isn't functioning properly. Amen? If there's something that's lacking, all of a sudden we see that there's a powerless church, it's because the intercessors aren't praying. That's a good time to say amen. If we see that sometimes there's, there's you know, knowledge or understanding lacking, maybe it could be that those who are called to teach and minister from the word of God, maybe they're not performing their job well. Maybe they're not handling the word of truth well. Maybe they need something that more that they must do. Here's the thing that we must get to, and we must understand. The Lord has given you all a function in the body. You're looking at me like, Pastor Duke, you're the only one talking tonight. But here's the deal. Here's the understanding that the Lord is wanting us to see. What he has given you matters. It matters. Even if it was one, do not bury what the Lord has given you. Matthew 16 and verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And so we see in this parable that the, that the servants treated the master's goods differently. They each handled it all differently. Not any one of them, you know, did the exact same thing, amen? And so two of the servants, they were responsible, and they did exactly what it was that the Lord had called them to do, and they went to work immediately. That is, they lost no time, and they began to serve quickly. They were faithful. They were diligent. They used their abilities and their gifts to, and their effort immediately. They exerted themselves to use what God had given them. And the less gifted servant, he worked and he labored as much as the more gifted servant. That is the guy who had two did just as much with the two as the guy who had five. Amen? And so the picture is that of this like business transaction that was taking place. And the Lord, you know, the point was that the two servants used what the Lord had given them. Amen? And they used their gift faithfully. They were successful with what God had appointed to them. They doubled what the Lord had given to their life. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift that they have received to serve others. I want to stop right here and just say this. I believe that somebody in here needs to hear that your gifting and the anointing and the plan that God has put upon your life, it is very, very important. And listen, you cannot be like Jonah. You cannot dismiss and you cannot just think for a second that you can go about your merry way and that you can ignore the calling of God upon your life and use your gift for just whatever you think or that you could bury it in the ground just like this man who had one, one talent. See, that one servant was irresponsible. He was irresponsible. He took, and it took just as much effort to hide what God had given him. Do you realize that? Some of you have been ignoring the call of God upon your life because you've been burying your gifting. You've been saying, oh, well, God can never use me. Or God, you know, I, I don't think that the Lord is, is able to use my life. Or, or you know what, I've sinned too much. I've done too much of this or too much of that. There's no way that the Lord would ever want to use my life. And the very voice of the one who spoke the earth into existence is still calling your name. And the Bible says very clearly about the calling of God upon our life is that it's irrevocable. And that means the Lord will not change his mind about what he has called you to do. Just because you don't pick up the phone the first time doesn't mean that God's going to just be like, all right, well, I'm going to just tear up the plan and forget about it. 
the calling and the anointing upon your life and the calling that God has called you to, it must be done by you because, listen, somebody's soul is hanging in the balance. Somebody's soul is hanging in the balance to receive the gifting that God has placed in your life. But what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Is it buried or is it just, you know, hidden? Have we just made excuse after excuse that we're fearful, that we're worried, that we're, you know, unable? How many of you remember Jeremiah, amen? The prophet Jeremiah, you know, had an interesting, you know, kind of uh, upbringing into, you know, receiving and being called by the Lord. Jeremiah immediately points to his age before God. He says, ah, I'm too young. There's, there's no way you could use me. Lord, I, I'm, I, I'm not fit for this. He talks about his tongue, you know, you, know, you know, needing to be cleansed and everything. And what does the Lord do? He sends an angel that puts a, you know, a, a coal on his tongue and purifies his language so that he could be a prophet used to the nations. You see, we can't ignore what God's put in our life. We can't be fearful and make excuses and say, you know what, there's no way that this could happen in my life. And we just bury the thing that God has given us. You see, excuses aren't an effective use of our effort. Ben King, uh, this past, uh, 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 one of the nights that he was preaching, you know, he basically said something to this effect. He said, excuses are bad leaders. Excuses will, will, will make us, you know, think that, you know, you, you know, we are just somehow justifying our place to do nothing with what God has given us. Now, how many of you know that excuses are ultimately something that will not stand before an almighty God? God's going to say, I gave you everything that you needed. I gave you everything. I gave you my Holy Spirit. I gave you my word. I gave you a gifting. And what are you doing with it? You know, it takes effort to hide your gifts. It took that man time to bury his gift. He had to take it. He had to labor. He had to do something. And he had to actually sweat and labor over, over hiding what he had. And every excuse that he was, you know, just thinking in his heart and in his mind, it was literally the whole of that buried talent just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. See, some of you don't want to serve in certain capacities because it doesn't serve you well. Some of us are unwilling to serve in a certain way because it's not glamorous. Or maybe it challenges your humility. Maybe it challenges you in a certain way. It challenges your, your time. It challenges your sacrifice of your agenda. It challenges you literally actually crucifying yourself to say, you know what, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord, you know, I, I, I gave God my yes. I said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. And pastor could testify to this, and this is to the glory of God, but... There'd be a lot of times, you know, like on a Saturday or something where, you know, I was 15, 16-year-old kid. I had nothing to do, you know, but get into, get into trouble. And I just randomly, you know, borrow my mom's car and I'd drive by the church and I'd see pastor here a lot of times and he'd be working in his office and I'd come inside the church and, you know, he was just here by himself and, 
And, you know, I'd, I'd walk into his office, and he's like, hey, you know, what's going on? And I says, is there anything that I could do, Pastor? And he's just like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. Is there anything I can do? And I remember he would just, like, give me the most random tasks. He'd say, yeah, go, go into the sanctuary and, and scrape off all the gum off, off under the pews. And guess what? I'd do it. I said, Okay. And I'd get on my back and I'd find something to scrape gum with and, and I'd scrape the gum out from under the pews. And I'd go back to his office a couple hours later and, and, and you know, and, and he'd ask me, you know, or I'd ask him something, is there anything else I could do? And, you know, he used to have this little library in the corner of his office and, you know, he'd say, you know, some of my books are out of order. Could you put them in order? And I'd just start putting books in order. I was willing to do anything. Then it was a few years later, you know, I had a job and I was already working and stuff and, and he needed somebody to clean the church and I'll never forget, you know, he had, he had asked me, he said, hey, you know what, I don't know if you know anybody, he said, but we don't have anybody to clean the church. And I was like, pastor, I'll do it. I'll do it. And there wasn't even a, a thought in my mind that it was like, oh man, you know, cleaning the church is probably not, you know, the, the nicest thing to do. It's probably, you know, maybe a hard task and maybe it's, you know, not the most, you know, pleasant thing to do when you're cleaning up after, you know, a few hundred people. But I was willing to do it. Why? Because at the end of the day, I gave God my whole heart, not just a portion of me. I didn't give God just my heart to, you know, be on an altar, you know, playing drums or something like that, which was the only gift that I had when I met the Lord. You see, I only had one. And I was proud of it. I was, I was happy. And I didn't even realize that God had wired in my life so many other things. But guess what? Had I not been faithful with the one. They would have never multiplied. I discovered that I had more gifts and more gifts and more gifts. And I said, Lord, I'll use them all for you. And this is bad for me to say, but it's the truth. Sometimes I've complained that I know how to do so many things. Because I know how to do so many things, more people demand from me. But you know what? I'll never complain about that. Because at the end of the day, it's all about giving God the glory and giving him the honor with everything that I am. Don't bury the gift and the thing the Lord has placed in your life. You must decide if you're going to rob the world or you're going to bless it. Think about that. You must decide if you're going to rob the world of who the Lord has created to be or you're going to bless the world with that rich, valuable, potent, untapped resource you know, that's locked away inside of your life. Uh, Miles Monroe said this, every human has a seed of greatness buried in a gift that is needed by the world. I'll say it one more time. Every human has a seed of greatness buried in a gift that is needed by the world. Amen. And it was said again that you will lose what you mismanage. You will lose that gifting. And so some of you know you're gifting, but yet you refuse to give to God what he gave to you. Amen. The gift is not yours. I'll say it one more time. The gift is not yours. It was deposited in your life to be a blessing to somebody else, amen? It was given to bless the body of Christ, and it was given to glorify God in all that you do. James chapter 4, verse 17 is a very interesting verse to me, but it says this. It says, anyone then who knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Or another version says, to them it is sin. 
That means that you know the plan. You know the gifting. You've heard the calling of God. You've heard the Lord, you know, pull your life out and you've seen what the Lord is doing in your life and you know that he has called you for a purpose. You know that he has a plan for your life, but it says anyone then who knows the good they ought to do but does not do it sins. Think about this. The Holy Spirit speaks to you every single day. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit probably spoke to you today about somebody? Amen. Maybe you were, you know, at the gas station and there was somebody behind you that needed, you know, to, to buy some gas or some food. And you had the ability, you had the means to bless that person, but maybe you ignored the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes you see somebody on the side of the road that's struggling and, you know, they're trying to push their car down the road. And we're so quick to justify our, our needs and we say, oh, I got somewhere to go. But guess what? They were traveling somewhere, too. And sometimes we can ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's not convenient to us. It's not convenient for our life. But it says anyone who knows the good they ought to do but does not do that, to them it is sin. Ultimately, it's a form of disobedience before God. And my prayer is this, is that we see the gifts that God has given you and the the gifts that God has given me fully displayed in his kingdom. Fully at work within the body of Christ, amen? Fully at work, you know, at your place of, of, of work in your, in your world, amen? In your community, in your home, so that the world can receive this loving servant that is Christ Jesus through you, amen? Did you know that Jesus is our perfect example of how a, uh, how a child of God like us should do the work that the Father has sent us to do? We see this in the life of Jesus. John 4 and 27 says, Just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. It says, But no one asked, What do you want, or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, it says, The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? It says they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. And it says, and meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I love how the disciples always misinterpret everything. Amen. Can you relate to them? (laughs) I know I can. You know, it's like, you know, he's, he's like, I got food that you know nothing about. And he's like, somebody bring you lunch, (laughs) you know. They, they totally miss it. Verse 34, he explains, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You want to know why the Christians and the church is so lethargic? It's because you haven't burned off the food that you already ate. I'll put it this way. You sit and eat and eat and eat and eat and you become a spiritual glutton. And now you're unable to move. Does that make sense? That means that we're so stuffed already. That we have nothing. When I was a young er man, I used to play a lot of sports. One of the sports I used to play 
was tennis. And I'd play four or five matches on any Friday, okay? Four or five matches in 100-degree temperatures in South Texas for, you know, each match would last maybe an hour and a half, two hours, just running back and forth, okay? Get nice and sweaty and all that stuff. But here's the deal. I'd never eat the entire day. Why? Because I nourished myself the night before. I had my carbs, I had my granola bars, I had my water, I would hydrate. And throughout the day, the only thing I would do is I'd sip on water. Why? Our coach would bring us Whataburger at 12 o'clock because it was required by the school, you know, it was required by UIL, you know, high school. It's like they got to bring you food. Students can't starve on the tennis court. And I'd have friends that would eat Whataburger after their second tennis match. Their third tennis match, if they, if they were successful enough to play a third one, their third tennis match, they'd want to throw up on the court. <laughs> Pretty gross, but it was the truth. Why? Because they're full of something. And here's the deal. You get filled with the word of God week after week after week. But if you do nothing with it, all of a sudden you just get enlarged and now you're unable to move. But if you burn off that which was given to you, that is you use whatever was given to you, whatever was served to you, then you'll be hungry again. Amen? You'll come in with a hunger because you've already, you know, used up everything that God gave you. And now you're hungry again. You're ready to sit at the table. So he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That nourished Jesus. Jesus found satisfaction and fulfillment because he was ultimately fulfilling the Father's will for his life. He said, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? He said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They're ready. They're white. They're already, you know, ready. He said, look at the Samaritans coming towards us. Even now the reaper draws his wages, and even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper might be glad together. It says, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. He said, but I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. How many of you know that Jesus finished the work of all works when he gave his life upon the cross. Amen? That means that he surrendered everything that he died to give us everything that we would ever need in this life and in this world. He said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Did you know that you do not have to die and be crucified like Jesus so that souls could know him? But I tell you what you do have to do. You have to die to yourself daily. You have to die to yourself daily and crucify your flesh. It says others have done the hard work, but you've received the benefits of their labor. Jesus did all the hard work, amen? He did all of the heavy lifting. He paid the ultimate price so that we don't have to die for the sins of this world, amen? And the heart of Jesus was upon a harvest of souls. Men and women, we focus our hearts, you know, upon all kinds of things in this world. Men focus their hearts upon the world's harvest, the planting of the seed and the reaping of the grain and the investment of their time or their energy or their money to receive wages and gain. But the heart of Jesus and still is upon people planting the gospel and the seed of the gospel and reaping souls for God. That is the plan of God. And the challenge of Jesus to you and I was lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. 
Look and see that there is a world that is dying without us. Amen? Lift up your eyes in order to see. You see, if you walk around in this world and you just look down, you'll never see what's in front of you. Amen? I don't think many of you drive like this. How many of you got here today because you drove like this? No. You drove like this. You had your eyes in front of you. You had your eyes where they were commissioned and designed to be. And so moments after Jesus tells them of his food and his mission and to look at the fields, this happened in John 4 and verse 39 as I close. He said, many of the Samaritans from that town, they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony that he told me everything that I ever did. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged Jesus to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Amen? And it says, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. I want to remind us tonight, church, that we are positioned for harvesting. You have been positioned by God for harvesting. We are in the middle of the fields with the Spirit of God himself, with the very ability and tools and the empowerment of Jesus. And guess what? You will either use your gifts given to serve one another, or you will bury them in the very field in which we now stand. We have in our possession the very keys to the kingdom of God. That means that we can use those keys to unlock the chains of darkness off of the lives of captive people. And we can use his Holy Spirit to lovingly serve the broken and the needy and the lost. And not just use his Holy Spirit for our own desires and gains. You see, what he has given you was meant to be a blessing to somebody else. Don't bury the gift of God in your life in the ground, but invest your gifting into the gospel. Invest your time into the gospel. Do not hide your gift in the earth, but offer it to the hurting. I got to share something this past you know, week at the, at the conference. Again, I say, and, and uh, it was a blessing, DJ and myself and, and uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, Brian, Brian Pacini and, and Gloria, we were in this panel and we were being asked questions and, and, you know, we were just kind of talking about how, you know, the Lord, you know, uses each person brick by brick to build the kingdom, right? And he uses us each in a unique way. And one of the things that I began to share that, you know, was, was just relevant to my life was this, was that, you know, I came from being a fatherless child to now fathering people in the, in the spirit. Meaning that God took the very thing that the enemy wanted to use that would destroy my life to now fathering and, and loving on people like a father would and, and imparting wisdom into their life and caring for them and, and showing young people that Jesus is the way. Amen? And that's taking the very thing that I thought would never be useful to God, but I would use it ultimately for his glory and for his purpose. Amen. And so don't keep the harvest for your home, but let the overflow of your life feed somebody else. Amen. Our greatest investment is to deposit the gospel into his creation. Matthew chapter 25, and we'll end with this. 
Verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Amen? We need to use what the Lord has given us because guess what? Somebody needs to be on the receiving end of that tonight. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.